0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho. Duro. Parlay. Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned in to the Entertainment Edition of the ODPH, and we hope to interact with you after the show, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. Check out the Parley Points blog section. There is a lot of stuff on there this week, so you definitely want to make sure you're getting familiar with it, especially if you're in the comic shops. You also want to check out the T Public Store sale going on last one in January, so if you want to get that ODPH swag, now is a perfect time to do it. Check out the directory, the classifieds, all that, and so much more, odphpodcast.com. But kicking off this edition of the show, we have to recap, dare I say, a surprising episode of The Book of Boba Fett. Now, the Disney Plus Star Wars spinoff has been hit with a lot of mixed reviews. Mm Mm-hmm. So some people are really in love with it. Some people are not. Yeah. We knew at the time we thought there was only going to be six episodes, but we have been corrected. There are going to be seven. Yes. So this was not the lead into the finale. Nope. And this does make a little more sense because when we turned on the show, we were very, very surprised at who we saw this week.
1: I mean, I wasn't totally surprised, but
0: for the length that went on, I was. Yes. So that being said... If you haven't seen the Disney Plus show yet, we're giving you fair warning. If you're a new listener, you, this is how we do it. We give a countdown. We put the timestamp in the show notes. So if you don't get a chance to watch this show, you can skip right to the next segment and join in the conversation. But if you've already seen the show, and we hope you have, you can just deep dive with us on it because there's a lot to go on. So that all being said, in three, two, one, pad. What did you think about Chapter 5? Entitled Return of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh,
1: I was very surprised about this episode. Just from the standpoint, I knew we would be seeing, you know, Din Djarin, you know, a.k.a. The Mandalorian from the uh, self-titled show, The Mandalorian, simply because if you go back to last week's episode where they're saying, hey, we need some hired help, you know, and oh, you know where to look if, if the price is right. And then you hear the little uh musical cue of the from the Mandalorian theme, and they're like, Oh, we're gonna see him, you know. So, I knew we would see him, but I did not think we'd have an entire episode devoted to what he's been doing, you know, because it's not stated, but I kind of took this as to be this is what he's been up to since you know, a little bit after the end of last season of Mandalorian and up to the point we've seen him because something tells me it didn't take Fennec Shand all that time to find him. It's just, hey, they've been busy. And, you know, the end of the episode, it's all right. He's now caught up with where our main characters from Book of Boba Fett are. That being said, this episode was awesome. And the Easter eggs, as we'll get into, love the shit out of them.
0: This was a big surprise for me because I was trying not to go into this episode finding out anything. Obviously, I've been more entranced about the crime saga that's going on between the book of, with the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. So to see Din Jardin make his appearance back on screen, Pedro yep. Pascal reprising the role, yep. this was a big surprise. And the only drawback I had about this, as you touched upon, I thought it went way too long. That I thought, if you're going to do this episode, with the exception of the Fennec Shan cameo, yeah, you could have done this after the Book of Boba Fett was wrapped
1: up. There was a couple of sequences, you know, where I, where I thought it went on a too little. I didn't mind the entire episode once it got going, and there, there was enough in there for me personally that I didn't mind the episode. You know, there were certain sequences that I thought went on maybe a little too long. It could have cut a little bit short. You know, why is this even in here? But overall, I thought it
0: was great. No, it was a great episode. I was, exci- I was ecstatic about it. But that was the only thing that was a drawback for me. Yeah. Is I'm going, okay, you're really having interesting timing here. Yeah. By putting Mando in this scene, or er, in this series. Yeah. I wasn't mad, though. But it's kind of just like I have to pause because I'm I'm thinking okay that kind of yeah. takes away from yeah. the overall series,
1: which I get. But the thing we got to remember, and I think the thing folks at home got to remember, is this entire uh, series is written by John Favreau. Uh, Dave Filoni is co-writing uh, episode six, according to the Wikipedia page. You know, um, so Favreau is obviously, of course, the main head behind Mandalorian. So this he felt he must have felt is a story that needs to be told. But and this is kind of the place to do it, because sticking it on, you know, if, it, if it's just he shows up and they go about their merry way and then you explain all the stuff he's been doing on episode one of season three, it almost feels like a throwaway. Why are we even here type of episode?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of puzzling thing they have to juggle around with. But I mean, I trust everything Favreau and Dave Filoni and company yeah. have done thus far. So there'll be some method to this madness. I'm banking now we will see Mando in the season finale. Oh, absolutely.
1: That's the thing with Star Wars is it may not make a lot of sense why you're seeing something there, but if you give it time, it will pay off dividends.
0: Yes, and then speaking of time, we're caught up to what our favorite Mandalorian is doing, and he's basically back to business. Back to doing what he does best. Yes, he's tracking down a bounty on an intergalactic butcher yeah if i'm not mistaken
1: yeah yeah it, it's a butcher as you might think of in in you know here on earth you know real cold the court the car- uh, carcasses hanging from the hooks and he walks in there and, and he's wanting to kick ass take names and ask zero questions
0: yeah mando's back to business as we first saw him in season one and you can definitely tell that he is definitely back in the yeah. new york groove as we'll say yeah <laughs> Because he comes in there, he puts down the bounty on the table. The uh, head crime boss, aka yeah. the butcher, we'll just say for this, yeah. uh, is saying, "Oh, that's not me. It Doesn't even look like yeah, me." He, and
1: he, he's walking in there. Where is he? Oh, we don't know. We've never heard of him. Well, I, I know he's here. How do you know he's here? He pulls out the tracking fob and it's beeping incessantly, and and it's just this fun cat and mouse. And I'm like, oh, we don't know where he is. And then he goes, li- and then he finally goes, listen, I know this is you. I'm not stupid, and I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring you in cold.
0: Yes. And at this point, he sends his troops after the Mandalorian. Uh Uh-huh. And one thing they don't realize is he's packing a certain weapon. Yeah. Pad, which one is that? Uh, That's the Darksaber. Yes. So that is the one that he took from Moth Gideon. Yep. And he is using it to the fullest degree. Uh Uh-huh. And he's slicing through everybody, even though he's getting bit and stabbed. I mean... He's a little inexperienced. Yeah. Obviously, dealing with that much of a powerful weapon, he's not comfortable with. And you can definitely tell... And albeit though, he winds up making everybody cold.
1: Yeah, and I love the one shot they did where like a lot of the action sequences for this fight were in the room with the crime boss and, and all his henchmen. But then you had the the worker ants, I guess you could call them. It cut to the worker ants, who were just kind of standing there, looking like they were ready to crap themselves, and they're just kind of and you just see the silhouette of him through like the the tarp. Uh, blanket looking thing and he's just slicing through everybody and he walks out he goes listen i know what went on here i know none of you agreed to this you can do two things you can you know there's credits in there that i'm not entitled to you can take what you feel is fair and you can leave or you can just leave it's up to you
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then the one guy i love the one part where the one alien kind of just shuffles by I'm like shit don't attack me don't attack me yeah and then he runs in and they're like oh well, all right i guess he's being serious let's go
0: yeah it was, it was a very cool action sequence i was definitely yeah. happy to see about that and then obviously Mando claims his bounty and when he turns it in though he does it for a very different reason uh-huh because he wants to get uh directions
1: uh-huh to wear pad? uh it's like some so I don't know where he ended up like I'm sure the name of it'll come out later but it was like this it, I'll be honest it reminded me of like something of the ring from Halo yeah it reminded me a lot of that he's looking for someplace underground you know and and whoever he went to with the bounty won't give it to him and he goes listen there's plenty of people who will take this bounty and give me the information I need. And so finally, you know, after a little cat and mouse back and forth, he gets the information and he goes uh, underground to the, in this space station facility looking thing. Uh, and he finds a certain uh, armorer we're very familiar with.
0: Yeah, it's the armorer from season one. Yeah. So the descendants of the Mandalorian clan that have lasted this long. Yeah. Are now underground and surviving. Although the armor says there's only three of us left. Yes, so that is the interesting point too, because for where we saw him in season one, uh, things have changed quite drastically. Uh huh. And there's a the, so there's the armor. There's obviously you know
1: our the, our Mandalorian, and then there's the other gentleman in the room uh, who was wearing blue armor. That as soon as he said his name, I went, "Oh fuck." This isn't good. And who is that? Paz Vizsla. So he's a member of uh, Clan Vizsla, who uh, they all feel very entitled to the Darksaber that is sitting on the Mandalorian's uh, waist.
0: Yes. And the armorer is taking a look at this as well, too. And they're breaking down the history of the Darksaber. Yep. And how you touched upon is the Clan Vizsla is the creators of said weapon?
1: Yeah, so the, uh, the the founder of the House of Vizsla was both Mandalorian and a Force-sensitive. You, There's an episode, I forget, I'd forget. i have to look up which one it is, but there's an episode of Clone Wars where they go a little bit more in-depth into what happened with the Darksaber. Again, highly recommend the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there was a member of the Mandalorians who was you know the founder of House Vizsla who was also a Force-sensitive, and when he went to create his lightsaber, ended up making the Darksaber.
0: Yeah. It's a wild story that they're breaking down. Yeah, But even Mando is sitting there kind of going, okay, what are we doing from here? Yeah. Because he's now obviously understanding that this weapon is going to draw a lot of attention. And, uh-huh. and he even starts asking about bo-katan at yeah. one
1: point have you heard of bo-katan Kree's? which oh boy we got real close to what happened in clone wars with that one you know so the armor kind of breaks into that and goes listen yeah it's it's a house that had a lot of repute but then kind of fell into things it was really responsible for the de- de- the death and destruction of mandalore you know and we even saw you know the empire you know the empire invading mandalore which was Always, always talked about, even in the old canon of Star Wars, but I don't remember if it was ever like actually shown in a book. Like, discuss, discuss. I don't think it's ever been shown before. It's never been shown on screen, and in, in, in the novels, I don't think it was ever like written down as to like what specific. It was just known that like the Empire basically went to mandalore raised the place stole them of all their necessary re- or usable resources and basically picked up shop and left you know so to actually see it on screen you know and the dome you see explode in the episode is the is like, well, kind of like the main hub you see in a couple episodes of clone wars so for me who's watched clone wars Six or seven times to see that explode, I was like, oh, "Shit!"
0: Yeah, no, it was a wild sequence of events happen, which like you touched upon. Lo- Long time Star Wars fans are going to definitely appreciate oh, it more. Yeah. Like I sat there and I'm like, "Okay, I have an idea what's going on." Yeah. Like, only imagine how if you've been really following the story, yeah, this is how it's going to impact on you. And it was, yeah. it, was, it was a great scene. Yeah, but then Vizsla does what Vizsla does best. Well, I'm entitled so, to that dark saber. Yep, and he challenges Mando in combat. So yeah. this is how the proper way to acquire the dark yeah. saber is supposed to be. They have a crazy fight sequence. Yep, uh, some blades get popped out. Isn't, uh, isn't
1: this also after the armor is trying to train uh, Din to use the dark saber? And he and, and basically, it's like, listen, you can't try to fight it. You you know, you're fighting it, and and he co- he almost couldn't lift the damn thing.
0: Yeah, it was a weird series of events because during the butcher sequence, he was using it okay. Yeah. But now, suddenly, he couldn't.
1: Yeah, it was a, the armor kept saying, listen, you can't keep fighting. Like, the armor was basically kicking his ass. Yeah. Then it's like, listen, you can't keep fighting it. You have to, you know, you you have to agree with it, essentially. You know, so then he gets challenged by the dude from Clan Vizsla and almost doesn't win.
0: No, he almost doesn't. But Mando pulls it off at the end. I mean, typical Mando fashion, yeah. though. I yeah. mean, for being uh, one of the more feared characters now in the Star Wars mythos. Yeah. He stumbles a lot. Yeah. He's not exactly as polished as he needs to be. But that's, I mean, and kudos to Pedro Pascal for his body language acting. Yeah. Because, you know, for doing this and you can't see his face a lot in the show, he's definitely giving Mando a lot of uh, interesting takes.
1: Mm -hmm. He also uh, lost his Beskar spear. Yes. Lost his battle because the armor saw that and went, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, it's a Beskar, uh, it's a Beskar uh, spear. I, I received it from a Jedi. It, it worked against lightsabers." And she goes, and, "And the armor was like, that is a threat to every one of every Mandalorian in the galaxy because that tells people that you can make weapons out of Beskar and that can get through our armor, and we don't need that."
0: Yeah. No, there was a lot of interesting employees going back and forth with the armor and and yeah. with, and what she was noticing with Mando didn't see
1: him, but kind of alluded to Grogu because you know he goes, listen, melt it down, make something out of it, and, and the armor goes, what do you want to make out of it? And he says something for a fouling. what fouling?
0: Grogu, yeah,
1: and we don't see what it is. It looked like you kind of got a glimpse of it, but it was hard to tell what it was. And she put it and put it in a little package for him because he was gonna go gonna go visit uh, Grogu.
0: Yeah, so obviously we know that that was inevitably going to happen, so there was no real shock there. Yeah. But like I say, it didn't really kind of stand on that aspect. But once the fight sequence happens and Mando does win it, though, uh-huh. he gets exposed when yeah. the armor starts pressing about yeah. the code of the Mandalorians.
1: Yeah, the code of the Mandalorians. You know, you can't. Have, have you ever uh, revealed your face? What your face looks like? Have you ever, you know, willingly or unwilling? I forget what the exact phrasing is. And she asks. It was willing. Yeah. Uh, she asks the dude from, uh, Paz, she asks Paz Vizsla. He goes, no. And she, then she asks uh, Din, and he goes, and, and he, well, he doesn't say anything. And, yeah. And she goes, she asks him again. And he goes, and he's like, yeah, I, I kind of did. And she goes, you're no longer a Mandalorian. And she says, listen, the only way you can abscond yourself of, the, of this crime or whatever it is, is to go swim in some pond or stream or something that's underneath Mandalore. So I'm like, oh, well, that might be the setup for season
0: three. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something. Sounds like, it sounds like we're making a trip to Mandalore. It's going to be something interesting with that because it is now appears that he's now fallen from grace in a weird sense that obviously... Is he allowed to take the Darksaber with him? I don't believe so. Uh,
1: I think he took it anyway. He took it anyway. I think
0: he took it with him, though. He did. Yeah,
1: no, he took it because when he goes... So he leaves there to uh, go track down... He's got to track down Grogu, but as I totally forgot, he doesn't have a ship right now because it kind of got crushed. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so he's going to go see an old friend uh, to get a new ship, and he, so he's taking public transport. And, of course, much like if you've flown on an airport, uh, he goes through basically TSA security. It gets set off, and the little robot, which, again, Easter egg, did you recognize the droid uh, that was basically TSA security in this thing?
0: No, I did not. Uh,
1: it is the droid from Star Tours. Oh! yeah, huh the one that, like, pilots the little ship you're on in oh, Star Tours. Out. That was the droid. That was the Star Tours droid. Good iPad. I, I'm sitting there, I'm like... That thing looks again. I'm like, all right. So I recognize, you know, this the, this the the little nods to Clone Wars. I'm sitting there going, that dude looks really familiar. And then it hit me like, that's the Star Tours droid. Hmm. So he so the Star Tours droid pulls him aside because he sets security off and goes, "Excuse me," huh, ah, you are <laughs> carrying weapons, and you are not allowed to carry weapons on on the on the ship." And he goes, "But I'm Mandalorian. Weapons are part of my
0: culture." culture. <laughs> That was a well-placed line. That
1: was great. I wonder, I can't help but wonder if uh, Pedro Pascal improvised that. I think he did. You know, so he goes, they're part of my cult. They're part of my religion. Uh, so they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. You you know, we can bring out the supervisor and you can talk, discuss with the supervisor, but you'll get rescheduled to tomorrow's flight. He goes, no, no, it's fine. I'll take it, you know. So he he unloads everything. Holy fuck, this dude's packing. Yeah. You know, detonators, r- zip ties or ropes or whatever to like tie up people's legs you know the little missiles out of his rocket, uh, wrist rocket. You know the gun, the dark saber, He starts unloading everything in there just to go take off and, and get a starship.
0: See, I missed him, then the dark saber came back out for that. So. Yeah, no, it, it was
1: real quick, and you mess up.
0: Yeah, because I was in there wondering, like. Did they allow him to walk with it? No, he no,
1: he put he put it it was he put it like right in the middle of the box. Mm. Uh and it was like a real quick cause like it, it kept cutting back and forth. Yeah, go it, back and
0: forth with him in his face. So like
1: he'd take he something off, it'd cut to him, putting it in the box, and like cut back to him, back to the box, back to, it was quick and you mess it.
0: Yeah. So he does get his flight though. Uh huh. And where does he go, Pat?
1: Uh, so he's going to Tatooine, and that's not without a, a little 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 thing. You know, you might have missed. So the little package or whatever the gift he has for Grogu. Do you notice what the little thing looked like? Looked like Grogu's head.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. So I was like,
1: oh, like, that, that's cute. And then he's got the little Rodian baby, you know, sitting in front of him, typical public flight fashion you got the annoying kid in front of you who just you know turns around and looks at you staring at you so he's feeling a little draw like ah, oh, i miss grogu a little bit but he takes his flight and he's going to tatooine
0: yes and once he gets to tatooine well he goes and bumps into some old friends yeah
1: well apparently he had a because uh, again he's missing a ship doesn't have a ship kind of needs a ship can't take public transport all over the place it's not exactly financially feasible mm. uh he goes to visit uh palimoto who is the Runs the starship hangar, or whatever from season one of Mandalorian. Yep. Who he apparently had contacted in the meantime, in between time, to build him a new starship. And he, she shows he shows up, and she's like, "Fuck, why are you here? It's not ready yet. I thought you'd be here later." And he's yeah. ready. He's ready to walk out and and leave. Like, listen, give me my money back. She's like, "All right, bye. Let's get off my back." But then she starts selling him on it, and it's not just any old starship.
0: No, this is
1: this is a uh, Naboo N one Starfighter, which is for the Naboo Royal Garden. Was commissioned by the Queen herself. Yeah, loved seeing this thing.
0: That was freaking wild.
1: I would love seeing it, and she even sells him on it. Like, listen, I'm going to modify it so it's the it's incredibly fast. It's she's tell, she's telling him how hard it is to get parts for it because it's from the, the Grand Republic, you know. So it's so long ago. And then she goes. That's the other thing too. Is it's republic. It's not empire. So it's off the books. Yeah. Which I'm like, hey, for a guy of his uh, his uh, job title and job status comes in handy
0: it definitely does and then we decides to take it for a test run
1: well yeah so they go through this whole sequence of like he decides to stick around and help her build it she dated a jawa which is probably the weirdest thing i've heard in star wars in quite some time she speaks jawanese or whatever whatever their language is called which again weird mm-hmm. Loved the sequences with them though because every time they brought something he'd be like where the hell did you get this and she's like listen don't ask it's it's better if you don't ask And so finally he does ask, because I forget what the part was, but they stole a part. He goes, where the hell did you get one of these? And she goes, you really want to know? Yeah, I do. Because you can't find these very easily. So she asks him, or asks the Jawas in their tongue. And she goes, oh yeah, they went up to a Pike Syndicate ship, snuck under it, and ripped it off while they were busy refueling. (laughs) And they
0: just left. I'm like, holy fuck, these guys are awesome. The Jawas you don't mess around with. No, you don't. So now he has a souped up Starfighter. Uh Uh-huh. Takes it for a little test run. Uh-huh. And you notice the track that he was testing on?
1: Yeah, so he's taking it for a, a test run, and he blazes over this over the city, which I'm like, well, that's going to cause some commotion. And he starts going, and he starts flying into these, like, standing rock formations, and I'm like, that looks familiar. And and he's talking to uh Pally Motto back over the comms, and she's like, oh, yeah, you're approaching Beggar's Canyon
2: which i was like oh hey
1: we're you know in my head i'd never seen it and i would never read any like thing online I'm like oh this is what it looks like or this is where we've seen it so I'm like oh sweet you know you heard luke talk about it in the original film you know beggars camp like we're finally gonna get to see beggars canyon and then he starts going through some stuff and i'm like wait a minute this looks like the pod racing course from episode one And sure as shit, he goes through Beggar's Canyon, which is the canyon in episode one. And if you don't remember this, I don't, uh, I I can understand. But if you remember episode one, we're in the pod racing sequence and he turns on his side and it's real like slalomy precision. That's the canyon he goes through in this movie, in this episode. That's Beggar's Canyon. And then it further got confirmed where if you remember in the uh, episode one, when Sebulba fucks with Anakin's pod and he gets shot up into the air. We saw that ramp. So he took a test drive through the pot, old pod racing course.
0: That was insane.
1: I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, that's so cool.
0: Yeah. And then when he decides to leave the planet for a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: he buzzes a, he buzzes <laughs> in a freighter and sees the little... He sees the little Rodian child in the thing, and the kid goes, oh, and he goes, hi. And he buzzes the ship, and then it immediately gets pulled over uh, by two uh, New
0: Republic X-Wings. Yes. And one recognizes him.
1: Yeah. No. Do, you, do you understand... How fast you were going? You realize it's illegal to fly that fast next to a civilian transport. Oh, I'm sorry, officer. I just, we just built the ship. I was putting it through a test run. You sound familiar.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, oh fuck. And these were the ex uh, the Republic Guard that found him when he was in the ice battle. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like the cool throwback there. It's in the, and the minute Mando recognizes the one pilot. He's like, yep, I'm gone.
1: Well, he well because he even asks. He goes, your voice sounds familiar. You wouldn't have, you know. And I'm putting two and two together. You wouldn't have had. And he starts asking a question. And he goes. You've got the wrong guy. And he flips a switch on his ship, and he goes, I didn't. And, and the other officer goes, I didn't even sense his hyperdrive warming up. There's no And there's no ring. And the other, the older uh, fighter pilot goes, it's because it wasn't his hyperdrive. That was sublight, which is basically normal engines. Yeah. Holy
0: fuck, this thing is fast. Yeah, this is going to be definitely something he's going to need. Because before he uh, was going around on his little flight there, he did run into an old friend. Or should we say an old friend tracked him down? Yeah. And that is one Fennec Shan. Yep. And obviously Ming Na Wen's character made an appearance on this episode and gave our favorite Mandalorian the update of what is going on with Boba Fett. Yeah. And basically said, "We need your help. Yeah. We need we need help with a job. You know. You, or she she even asks, oh, you looking for work these days? Oh, he I
1: mean, always. You know. Got a job for you, Boba Fett? Yeah. Pays well too. And she tosses him a, ba- a bag of credits. You know. going to need some help. Going to need some hired muscle." And he tosses it back and goes, this one's on the house.
0: Yeah, there's loyalty there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there was no question about this. We kind of figured maybe we'd see the Mandalorian here, but now we got official confirmation. So when the big battle comes down, I don't think we'll see him at the beginning of it. But we'll see him come crashing in the middle. Of it'll it'll seven. be
1: like Captain Marvel in Endgame. Yeah. It'll be I, one of those
0: moments. I fully agree with you. And that's how the episode ends this week. Yeah. So final thoughts and speculation on where we're going here, Pat. Uh, g- great episode. Absolutely loved it. I'm very interested to see
1: what we see in the next episode because, as I mentioned, it is co-written by Dave Filoni. Uh, and those episodes tend to be awesome and full of lore and, and craziness. Um, but as to where we go, I'm, I'm not really sure, you know, that's one of the nice things is I figure he might, uh, amp up his forces a little bit more. We might see some more folks. You know, we might not be expecting. I'm thinking a certain someone from uh, Solo might be making an appearance because she's still around mm. technically at this point. Making an appearance. Got to now She's making an appearance in the comics. Coming up here not too long. Uh, if you know, don't know who I'm talking about, uh, she played a certain Daenerys Targaryen in Game of Thrones. Yes. If that's not enough hint for you, I can't help you. Uh, go watch the movie. It's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I, so I think we might end up seeing her.
0: I think that's a distinct possibility. I'm banking on that to happen. I think, though, we're going to see, as you touched upon lately with Endgame and and Mm -hmm. Infinity War, I think that's where we're going to have a two-part episode where everything hits the fan. Probably. Probably. Because I I figure what they're going to do is they're going to end this not with Boba getting killed off. No. But him now officially taking over the reins. Like, he's going to wind up winning this battle somehow. It's so going like- to be like
1: some sequence where, like, he's standing on top of a building in Mos Eisley or something, and just, like, everyone kneels before
0: him. Yeah, you're going to see something like that happen, and then I think we'll get an announcement for Chapter 2. More than likely. Because I think that no matter what everybody's saying, the reaction here, I think it's warranting a second season. I don't think this is going to be one and done. And, and I think that if you really want to tell the story of him, I mean, obviously they've been doing a different version of what Star Wars fans have been wanting to see here. Sure. And I think that that's where the disconnect is because everybody is so used to seeing the same old same. Well, and not mean yeah. in, in a bad sense, oh, but, yeah. but it's kind well, of... Well,
1: and, and it's part of the issue, I think, is what you ran into with the, the sequel trilogy and sequel trilogy, holy ball wax, but I think part of what you ran into with that trilogy is people had so long to think in so many books and comics that like what took place after those original three movies that they had in their mind a set idea of what it would be like and what it would do and what would what happened. And it didn't meet those expectations. So for a lot of people, that's why they hated it. I think that's a lot of what you're seeing here is, again, Boba Fett, you've had however many years to imagine how he got out of the Sarlacc and what he's been doing and all the crazy antics. And again, books and comics of what he did in the old canon after he survived the Sarlacc pit that, like, it didn't meet those expectations of what they had in their head. So they don't like it.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that's a fair assessment. I mean, I I, your assessment is fair. Yeah. But those people that are not willing to take this for what it is, I don't think that that's fair. And I think there's something that, uh, you know, we as fans, I think we get so caught up in the fandoms and like what we have in our heads. Then when we're presented something different, it just doesn't resonate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it causes the friction because the show has been good. Yeah. Has it been a home run? No. It's
1: been, it's been like a, a sliding headfirst into third base trip. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, that's the thing. It, it's had some very good moments, it's had some very slow moments. So if this finish is strong, which I hope it does. Then I think they'll wipe away a lot of the bad taste that some people have. Well, not
1: every episode is going. Not every episode of Game of Thrones, obviously not accounting last se- last season. Not every episode of Game of Thrones was like the penultimate, second to last episode where it was just batshit crazy. Yeah, you had those moments of like up and down. That's normal for a show.
0: It is, and I think people got to be real patient with this because the, the powers to be there in charge of this are taking their time with us to build something. Maybe it's not going to pay off this season because that is a possibility too. Could be. But I think by the time the story is told, I think we're going to get our payoff that we've been expecting for a character that's so beloved in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Very excited, though, to see where they're going. Very happy with how this went for the season premiere of season three of The Mandalorian. That's the way I'm treating it. I mean, it's just a little too long, I think, they spent on him if you're going to say this is a Boba Fett episode. That's my only knock against this. Otherwise, I thought it was fine. I thought it was perfect. They had some great Star Wars Easter eggs like you touched upon, pad. Yeah. And I think that if they want to bring Mando back in for the seventh and final episode of this season, I think that's fine. But next one's got to be all Boba getting ready for the big battle and, like, whatever he's going to do. Anything less, I'm going to be very disappointed in. But we gave you our takes. Now we want to hear yours, ODPH Society. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHPod. The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5, entitled Return of the Mandalorian. What was your thoughts? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? Tell me, Audrey.
2: There's no special features on that goddamn DVD. All oh, right. wow. For it Hansel it and Gretel? Gretel? Hansel and Gretel. You have the DVD? You watch it? Yeah, I, and she basically has sex with it, somehow. Uh, foreplay. Yeah, yes. She's, for, she's chair foreplay. I mean, they knocked it
1: out of the park, which is why it's my number three. So.
2: Oh! oh!
1: <laughs> Yes. I
2: mean, I wouldn't be in it because this movie doesn't have women. But you know, it has one. Right? It has one. You
0: it's would have three one. lines of dialogue. No,
2: three.
1: <laughs> oh. Okay. So I'm actually gonna get like I actually get like I earn my, my my
2: four sentences of dialogue rather than like here I have a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp. <gasps> oh. I anyway, Verna. Dark Phoenix too. Um, so no. So no. No. <laughs> no. No. Because they really. So we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get
0: into physical altercations that include her biting detective, ex-detective Phillips' dick. Okay. But we don't okay the hot tub. I, I know all of those words were English, but the way you <laughs> constructed yeah, them, I'm I, lost. I'm not playing the <laughs> on them very well.
1: For those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between
2: an R-rated dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. and time to talk about the best show on the CW. If not all of cable. Yes, this is a highly debated contest right now because there's so much out there. But Superman and Lois is standing head and shoulders above a lot of other shows right now. Uh-huh. Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Tulloch are playing the title roles, and man, oh man, season two has not let down since it has came back to the airwaves. Uh huh. So much is going on, so we have to do some recapping of episode three entitled "The Thing in the Mines." You know the deal by now. Once the countdown is done, we start deep diving. You have been fair warned. So that all said, in three, two, one, pad. What did you think?
1: I thought this episode was incredible. Uh, As as we knew from the executive producer talking about, we were going to find out what exactly the hell was underneath. You know, obviously, the title kind of gives it away. Spoiler alert, it's not Ben Grimm. Mm -hmm. You know, we were going to find out what exactly has been going on in the minds that's been causing Clark, you know, Superman so much pain. He gave us a little tip off of what it was going to be. But looking back, probably should have seen through that ruse. Uh, But overall, I thought the episode was awesome.
0: I thought the episode was great and I love the swerve because going into this episode, and even this was leaked out too. Yeah. By, uh, I can't remember who exactly from the show did say this out loud. Somebody from the show said it though. Yeah, they did say Doomsday was the villain.
1: And I told my dad, because my dad likes to watch this show, I told my dad, I'm like, hey, we're going to find out, you know, what exactly has been going on tonight. And I was like, it's, I told him, I was like, I'm surprised they're doing it. I was like, I don't want to spoil it for you, but I was like, I'm surprised they're doing it this early because it's a bold move.
0: You know, and and in hindsight, should have seen through the ruse. It should have seen through it, but you know what? This show has been going in a lot of wild directions. That yeah. If they wanted to do it, I had full faith in them to oh, do yeah. it. Oh, yeah.
1: Like you said, they've been doing a lot of crazy plot twists and turns. Uh, spoiler alert, in the comics, Superman does not have two kids. He has one. Mm-hmm. Uh, He also doesn't have a brother. Right. You know, so they've been taking liberties with the story, but it's been working phenomenally.
0: They definitely have. I mean, to take the simple concept of moving the Kents out of Metropolis back to Smallville, and now Smallville has become the epicenter of all this trouble. Listen, the epicenter is wherever Clark happens to be, and it's Smallville right now. Right, but you know what? You look at the surrounding characters and what they're getting into. I mean, even briefly, Lana, his longtime friend from Smallville, she is now running for mayor. Yep. And there is a lot of fallout coming from when Morgan Edge, a.k.a. Tal Rowe, was investing in the town, shall we say.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things when it comes to politics. Like, no matter how seasoned or how fresh you are, you have to be able to deal with the quote-unquote skeletons coming out of the closet and the dirty, dirty laundry getting aired that, like... You know, whether you like it
0: or not, it's going to come up. It's definitely going to come up. And that was the situation that was happening here. I mean, not to spend a lot of time on Lana's story because it's still unfolding. Yeah. But she is now dealing with the brunt of the burden of Morgan Edge. Yeah. Because she was such a centerpiece of trying to win the people of Smallville over oh, to yeah. his side. Oh, yeah. And now it's coming back into really bite her in the face there, so to speak, that it's just something that she's going to deal with. And it's a great storyline for her character, though, too. So, oh, yeah. So, like I say, they're doing a nice slow build with that. So, like I said, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but it's still noteworthy scenes going on. The rest of the family, though, did not have a lot to work with. I mean, one thing that they've been really, I don't know, maybe it's just me, pad, but you can let me know what you think. Yeah. The story with Jordan and Sarah this season, Uh uh-huh. do you feel it's being forced? Eh, certain aspects, maybe. Not overall, no. See, the one thing it just seems that Jordan, one of Clark's sons, the super-powered one, uh, played by Alex Garfin, has really been, like, over the top with, you know, dealing with the breakup with Sarah. Yeah. And now is, like, so irrational. Yeah. Like, you know, he's talking marriage, and he's talking about revealing the secret identity, like, out of nowhere. I mean,
1: it's essentially kind of retelling what happened with Clark and Lana. You know, in, in like the Smallville aspect, but like putting a different spin on it. Yeah, you I, know, I, it, it's trying to tell the same story again without using any of the same tropes or same stuff that you know his father already went through.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it, that's been something that like I thought they spent a lot more time on than they probably should have. I will say, I feel like they're being a little
1: over dramatic with stuff that, yeah. like, that like I get. All right, she went away for a summer and and this and that, but just like I feel like the drama is just like. Way too much drama. Way too way too fast.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Like, I think that this is just like escalated to a point where like I can understand there being drama, and I think that obviously when you deal with teenagers on a show, you're going to see that. Oh and yeah. I'm not saying there's oh, any yeah. fault with that. No. But I want to say like in comparison to what's going on with Jonathan, right? Like this is where a story is good with the teenage drama, and like I always say, Jordan Elsass has been like crushing it as Jonathan Kent. I think yeah, he's one, he he's, he's one of the most like. Un- underappreciated characters on the show. Yeah, I agree. And the only thing that he's had to deal with this season is he finally has a girlfriend in Candace. Yep. And he's dealing with his rival on the full football team allegedly now having steroids.
1: Uh, he is. Yeah. He, he's doing something.
0: There, There's something going on there. And That kid shouldn't be bench pressing that much. Yeah, Exactly. At that age, no. I mean, Hell there's no, no Hell way no. this should be going on. But if you take a look at like how they're doing that storyline and they've done a slow build yeah. where like Jonathan now uncovers what's going on with candace and and lo and behold she turns out to be the reveal Uh uh-huh she's the dealer yep like how crazy was that well she's the dealer
1: and he goes listen i know you're the dealer oh are you gonna turn me in you're gonna break up with me if you so just do it no and i'm like oh fuck he's gonna want some and he goes i want you to give me some," and i'm like you fucking dumbass
0: yeah but that's what makes him like such a great character that even with he's flawed he is still like adding something different. I knew, I knew at some
1: point there would be some sort of story where he wanted to get powers. Yeah, just because that's that's the typical sibling thing. If you've got siblings, you know how you know how it is. Mm-hmm. One kid gets one brother or sister gets something. You want something as good, if not better, and you'll do anything you can to get it. Yeah, no, so it, I knew it was coming, but.
0: Jesus. Yeah, exactly. But but it makes for such a better story. And like I say, in the amount of time he's getting to work with with his yeah, story, yeah, Jonathan's story is so much stronger than what's going on with Jordan and Sarah. Like it's crazy to see how this is all playing out. But I'm loving it though. Like the only thing, oh, like yeah. I said, the only thing I said with like the Jordan and Sarah thing, I think they made too much of that instead of like presenting it in a in a way. Like I understand there should be some drama there, but to the extent that they're going with it, it, is like sure, it's a little much. Yeah, a little bit. But. Even so, taking a look at the core characters of the show, though. Yeah. Superman is still having the problems with his visions.
1: Yeah, and it's getting worse.
0: Yeah, because even earlier in the episode, too, when he has to break up a fight between... <laughs> uh, he's actually talking to Jordan first. Yeah, he is. You can see the anger come out in him. Yeah. And now he's like visually getting to the point where he's exploding with anger.
1: Yeah, because what is it? You got the one scene where you know, they're getting ready to go to Well, they're getting ready, even earlier than that, they're getting ready to go to school mm-hmm. like, and he's going to drive them. And, and Jordan comes up and tells him, you know, he, Oh, I want to tell Sarah my secret. You know, I want to tell her. And he's like, there are so many issues wrong with this that like I don't have time to get into them, and they're going back and forth. No, I love her. I want to marry. Her, blah, blah blah. And he just explodes. Yeah. And it's like supersonic yells. But then you get the other scene later where he's talking to Jonathan. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's a the football fight because he's, conf- you know, Jonathan's confronting his rival about you oh, know I know you're doing drugs and blah blah blah, and they start fist fighting, and he they go to break him up, and and Clark pulls him aside into like a lo- the locker room. And he starts yelling again. And but it's even worse. And this time his eyes start lighting up and he tells him to run. Yeah. And his and his heat vision goes off and he can't stop it. And he puts his hands in front of his eyes and he actually damages his hands.
0: Yeah. So you know that these visions, whatever's causing him, is now amplifying to the point that they need to go get help. And we do see a return of an old friend, yep. Asterix. Yeah. And that is one, and the one and only Sam Lane, played uh-huh. by Dylan Walsh, so, former General Lane. Yeah, former General Lane, who's trying to enjoy his retirement He's on a on a lake someplace. Yes, but gets called back in to find out what is going on between Lieutenant Anderson and Clark.
1: Yeah, because they know something's going on, but you know. Because Lois tells him, like, listen, something's going on underneath the mines. We need the DODs in charge there. We need to get in. And he, he's like, listen, I'm retired. You know, you need to go through the proper channels for that. Yeah, but listen, Clark and he, and he aren't getting along real well, and blah blah blah. And and so then he hears the scene between uh J- uh Jordan, Jordan and Clark, Jordan and Clark, where he yells when they're getting ready to go to school, and he hears it over the phone because Lois comes out at that point, and he goes, I'm on my way back.
0: Yeah, so he is now coming in to investigate what's going on. He does call in some strings for John Irons to go underneath the Schuster mine. Still got some connections. Yeah, he's still pulling some strings for him. And John goes underneath without his armor. Now, this is going to play a factor in yeah. a little bit later. But yep. Willie Parks did a phenomenal job this episode, too. we got to definitely yeah. plug him. And as he's going through and investigating what's going on, he's finding some very noticeable rock shavings yeah. on the side of the wall. Uh-huh. Now, what stood out for those, Pat? Uh, that stood out because I'll jump in and, and, okay. and catch you here. There was it looked like kryptonite, yeah, but it looked like bloodstained stained kryptonite, right? And it looked like there had been a battle going on, and somebody really, really got hurt. Well, based off of the
1: leaked rumors of what it was, what it possibly could be, made sense.
0: Oh yeah, no, they were setting this up to be doomsday from uh-huh. the jump, yeah, and, and even with the. Image we saw at the end of episode one where you saw the hand with the light on it. Yep. Last week. Real
1: quick and you miss it. Yeah.
0: Last week when you saw the Doomsday suit, which if you haven't seen the suit, because that's very, very uh, 30 years ago now. Yeah. That he, Doomsday at one point did have a suit that had lights on it. Yep. So you have to remember that when you're seeing that costume because he does not wear it now. It's a different suit that he wears. But at the origin, that's where he did wear. Yeah. So when we finally see this you know, creature coming through, we're all assuming, okay, this has got to be Doomsday. And then yeah. we're seeing the blood on the kryptonite. You're going, okay, at least that w- it looked like kryptonite on the walls, too. Yeah. So it's still the leftover ones that Morgan had. The was, ex-kryptonite, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to go through. Well, as they're going through the mines, John is accompanied by Dr. Faulkner. Now, she is the person that's overseeing yep. the mine situation. And when he starts piecing everything together, uh-huh. well, all of a sudden...
1: Dr. Faulkner takes him out. Well, because I think she's no idiot. She has a PhD. She is a doctor. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she's she's no slouch. She ain't no idiot. She puts two and two together like, oh, this guy's not supposed to be here. He's learning way too much. Yank.
0: Yes. So when he's taken out of the equation, there is another episode that is going on in the mines. Yep. And then all of a sudden you see this figure after another explosion happens caused by Dr. Faulkner. Yep. This figure comes shooting out of the mountains. Was, now,
1: because if I also if I remember right, after she knocks out John, she says we need to advance the timeline or, so, or something. Yeah, yeah. She says she's, she's, said ba- she's basically variation. she's basically saying like we need to move up the timeline.
0: Yeah, so she's talking to somebody. So she is trying to unleash Doomsday. At least we think at this. We point. We think yeah. Onto the world, which is like okay,
1: Bold strategy cotton. See how it plays out for
0: him. Yeah, and then when we saw Doomsday, quote unquote, come out of the mountain, it looked like him. It was that same suit. It looked like him, but I, but I, I, I tweeted. I don't think I tweeted this to you. I think I tweeted this to the coach. I go. He looks small. See, I thought he looked huge. See, no, like I thought Cause he, I was
1: because I was like because I, I wondered that because when they did Doomsday in Smallville, he he looked absolutely nothing like him in the comics. Obviously, TV budget, you mm-hmm. know, he really, back then you couldn't do it. But then also he was human sized, so that was my one thing with with this. I was like, all right, how is he going to look? And then how tall is he going to be? So when that was the first thing I know he was, well, cause they had a shot of the soldiers firing at the, the body that jumped out of the mountains. And I'm like, this fucker's tall.
0: Yeah. No, he was tall. But the thing is, I noticed about the body size. Like when I see doomsday, yeah. what registers is like the Hulk side. Sure. And he has to be wide. Like sure. Thick wide. Okay. And when I saw him, I go, Oh, he's not thick. Like he, See, I didn't
1: even pick up on that. I'm just like, I just noticed the height. And I'm like, right, no, right. No, no, no. This fucker's tall.
0: Height wise. They got. Height-wise made sense, but I'm looking at the body size and I'm going, okay, wait, that's not him.
1: I completely overlooked that.
0: Yeah, no, no. no which I mean, there's a lot going on with this. Thing. Oh like, yeah. and, like I say, because I always remember that story when I first saw uh, Doomsday, and Doomsday was a uh, thick like the Hulk size, like a right. little smaller, but he definitely was around that age. So was, like when I saw that, I'm like, oh wait, this ain't him. No. All right. Like, if so, this is gonna be a really skinny version. I don't know how we're gonna play this out. I figured they might have gone CGI'd and um, with Dooms uh, like King Shark for Flash. Okay. Yeah. Like, I figured that's how we're gonna see. That was that was
1: that was the one thing I was curious about too. I was like, all right. You butchered the shit out of it. Listen, as much as I love Smallville, the Smallville Doomsday looked fucking awful. Yeah. You know, the the movie version was good. You know, as much as shit as the movie gets, I dug seeing him on screen as he properly should look, or at least a modern take on him should look. Mm -hmm. So that was the one thing I was going to be, and again, as big a Superman fan as I am, that was one thing I was going to be very critical on is how does he look? And then he gets into the fight with Superman, and then you you see part of the mask come off, but I'm like, that ain't fucking Doomsday.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't. Once you saw that Superman starts fighting him, and the part of the mask gets ripped off, you see it's actually Superman's face. Uh huh. And I know you texted me immediately and said, Bizarro. Yeah. And I went. Well, that's not the only. That's not the only thing I texted. You. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's not the only thing he said.
1: Well, the other thing I said is when the Doomsday, what we thought was Doomsday, was in the middle of fighting Superman. I said, I texted Ken and said, "Quick, somebody yell Martha."
0: Yeah. No, I was waiting on that, too, because I'm like, oh, shit. Like, when this is all going on, I'm like,
1: somebody yell Martha. I literally text Canada and go, somebody yell Martha.
0: Yeah, because I figured something was going to happen here. Meanwhile, while this battle is going on, and and kudos to the stunt coordinators, too, here. I mean, the the battle looked dope between Superman and Bizarro. You saw John Irons wake up finally in the cave, summoned for his armor. Yep. He does, like, the jumping Iron Man-esque leap. And starts firing off blast close yep. range, and Doomsday is just shrugging them off.
1: Yeah, like, oh, this ain't nothing.
0: Yeah, until he throws, literally, John Irons on top of a mountain uh-huh. far, far away. Yep. And then he takes off in the space. Yep. Which was kind of an interesting play, but at least now we have a little bit of an idea what's going on. And even though there is the visions there's at least some way to kind of deal with it because once they start analyzing okay what's happened yeah there's kind of like a little sense like okay superman was fighting himself so this is kryptonian they can kind of dig into a little bit so i think we're going to go back to the fortress at some point probably you know and kind of deep dive into what's going on because the last image we saw of bizarro Was
1: was in the fortress he was in the fortress and if i'm not mistaken he said mother Yes, I, th- I think he said mother.
0: He said mother, but the one thing that he had that stood out, he had a backwards S on his chest, and
1: it was the black and also it, it was the black suit, which was cool to see. Yeah, he had the backwards S, and then kudos to the graphics team; they did the, the logo at the end of the show like they always do, but it, everything was backwards. Yes, as if like because they, I know they said it in the episode, uh, you know, a bizarre Superman. Like they went, they went right up to the line without crossing it and saying the name. But then you get the confirmation of the suit having the backwards ass and then the entire logo being flipped around. And that's that's the uh, crew saying, yes, this is who you think it is.
0: Yeah. So kudos to them for putting that spin on this. Yeah, I did not see it coming. I was like, OK, if we're going to do bizarre because I don't think they've ever done Bizarro except for a couple animated uh, episodes. He,
1: he was in the animated show for a couple of episodes. I don't think he ever appeared in Justice League or Justice League Unlimited. Um, but in terms of like television or movies, no.
0: Yeah, I know, this is, a, this is a crazy move to do, but I, you and know, it's
1: And it's one of the ones that I said from the outset I would love to see because he's one of the few, you know, villains or rogues that has never been touched. For, yeah. For whatever reason, you know, we've done, you know, dark side Superman, you know, evil side, evil Superman, you know, with Injustice, and then in, in Smallville with the Red Kryptonite, you know, you've done plenty of that. You've done depowered Superman, but just never done anything with Bizarro. Right. And, he, and when done, he's a brilliant character.
0: Yeah, if you can do him right, he definitely stands out in the rogues gallery. It's just usually everybody stays away with him because he's a backward Superman. Yeah. You know, which, I mean, but if you have the right people creating a story with him, you can do a lot of cool things with him. And yeah. I think that that's something this show is going to sink their teeth into. By far and away. Well, and I, and I know Hoakland is very
1: excited for this role. You know, he did an interview with Entertainment Weekly, which was posted like minutes after the episode finished. Uh, and they asked, uh, and I'm reading from the article on entertainmentweekly.com, uh, they asked, What was your reaction to finding out about this new role you'd be playing? Quote, Well, my original reaction was an expression that I cannot probably repeat in this interview as somebody who's playing Superman at the moment. That is not a very Superman thing to say, but I thought it was very, very cool. Then the schedule came out and I was like, oh, that's the part, uh, the increased workload. I didn't think about when he said that, but it's always fun. I always like a challenge. I like being busy. So it's definitely been that close quote. Uh, he did also go on to say, uh, uh when they asked, has there been something like the script or the costume that has really helped you into lock into Bizarro? He said, quote, talking about the character and talking about what the, where they're coming from and where they're going, obviously, is part of shaping it. Hair and makeup, wardrobe cannot be stated how important those things are, even on other shows I've done uh, where you have prosthetics and things like that when you do not see yourself in the mirror it's a really freeing kind of experience because it doesn't even feel like eyes are on you at that point you feel like you're actually stepping into someone someone else's skin that's a huge huge help those departments are insanely important for stuff like that uh then as far as the behaviors and choices you're making that's something that you just kind of feel within the character with superman and clark to me lives in a specific part of my body. And then with bizarro that center moves. So he did. And he even went as far as to say, he worked with an acting coach friend of his that talked about like the center and finding where the character lives. And he talked about just like the way Superman carries himself. But then the way bizarro carries himself. So it's going to sound like it's going to be a very night and day difference between the two.
0: And, you know, that sounds dope, too. And, I mean, Tyler Oakland has just embraced the role of being Superman. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you'll hear actors will just be like, yeah, they're just doing this because they know it's a Marvel movie or yeah. Disney, you know, DC show. It's a, it's a paycheck. Yeah. No, he seems like he's embracing this. and no, that's, he, he and, gets it. And that's the coolest thing about him, that, you know, to really just get so invested in the character. Now, I mean, he's making a, a strong role, like. Superman is him. Uh-huh. Like, you know, oh, and, yeah, and, and absolutely. Considering with all the great actors who played Superman over the years, it's a wild scenario to see, but definitely an exciting one. And before we wrap up this episode, though, yeah. we do have to mention very quickly about what's going on with Lois. Yes. Because Lois has now been brought out for allegedly faking sources about yeah. a cult that she was investigating. Yeah. And then we obviously it turned out last week to find out that her sister, Lucy, was involved and yeah. nearly killed herself because of it well lois was trying to reach lucy to have a one-on-one to meet about her sources in question
1: sister hasn't talked to her in a number of years but has been talking to the dad so she talks like listen you know it has a whole back and forth about her dad you know basically says listen you help my sister for everything and you never help me why and he goes all right fine helps with her he goes all right sets up a meeting with her goes up to meet with her except it's not her that she meets
0: no she meets Allie elston the head of the cult uh-huh and that is going to be an interesting conversation for next week.
1: That was that was like a straight-up, hello, Clarice, type of moment where I'm like,
0: oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this just got interesting. There is so much win-win about this show. Pat, I mean, final thoughts and speculation.
1: Uh, great episode. Super, 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 super excited that we're getting Bizarro, uh, which, again, is a fantastic character if written well. And I think, based off of everything Tyler Hoechlin has said in interviews, is going to be phenomenal. And I cannot wait to see where they go from here.
0: This was a win-win episode. I mean, even like I say, if I can just complain about the Jordan and Sarah thing, and that's the only thing I didn't really like because it was too long. This episode hit everything on the strides, like everything they've done. Like I say, with Lana and her story, and this, like how much you know her st- stuff that she's been doing over the past season yeah. is now coming back to haunt her. That's a big move. Lois's thing investigating the Doomsday cult—that I'm assuming it is—that's going to be a big thing. Jordan and Sarah is kind of like. We'll get there, and I understand we got to have the teenage angst nonsense. Yeah. But, like, it, it was in smaller moderations and it did not take up as much time on the show as it did. I probably would have been more okay with it. Jonathan has a great story going on. Natalie and John Irons, you know, when they get going, they're going to have a great one. But the fact we have Bizarro yeah. on the show, yeah. I never thought we'd see that in yeah. live action. Here we go. This is just another reason why, if you have not been investing into this show, You need to really start watching Superman and Lois on the CW. Uh,
1: Season 1 is available on HBO Max, and then uh, through the CW app, uh, you can go catch up on uh, Season 2.
0: Yeah, it's definitely worth the binge watch. We all give it the highest possible recommendation. We're big fans of this show, obviously, because not only do we recap it, we live tweet during it as well, too. So you want to make sure you're watching Superman and Lois, and let's have that conversation, shall we, folks? Episode 3, The Thing of the Minds. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? If you're not watching the show, I want to know why you're not watching Superman and Lois yet. Let's talk, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go out? no one.
0: Coming back for the final segment of this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let's talk some one-shots. Yeah. Now, last week, obviously, we did not have an entertainment show. I addressed it on the sports podcast. If you did not hear, unfortunately, I came down with a case of COVID. Uh, special shout-out again to everybody who was checking in and you know sending their well-wishes. I'm, I'm recovered from it now, uh, cleared to do the show. But, obviously, there was a lot that was going on that we want to quickly recap. And yeah. the first one that was on our list, obviously, was the Moon Knight trailer. Yeah. So Pad, I know I gave my opinions on a blog that you can find at odphpodcast.com under polypoints odph extra, but since you're here in studio, let's talk a little spoilers on the trailer. Yeah. The newest show coming to Disney Plus from the MCU starring Oscar Isaac. Yep. Let's talk about it.
1: Uh, This show looks fucking nuts. Like, I admittedly don't know that much about Moon Knight, other than he's like the MCU version of Batman, but with with fewer morals than Batman. Um, You know, and the only interaction, I don't remember him from any of the animated series I've watched, and the only iteration I remember of him from the video game was he was in the shitty, awful Spider-Man Web of Shadows video game for like a cup of tea. You know, so admittedly, my exposure to Moon Knight is very limited. That being said, the show looks fucking nuts.
0: It's going to be definitely a different show than you've seen on the MCU. Uh-huh. The, the one thing to know about Moon Knight is I know he does get compared to Batman a lot. But Moon Knight also is, suffers from dissociative identity disorder. Right. So he does have different personalities that they did tease a little bit yeah. during this trailer. Yeah. Because at one point you hear that he's referred to as Steven, and that's yep. his alias is Steven Grant. And then later on he's in the museum and he picks up a cell phone uh one of the old school flip phones yeah
1: the the Nokia or Motorola Razors
0: yes that somebody is overjoyed to hear him and calls him Mark and he yeah. goes why yeah. and obviously why did you call me Mark yeah because that would be his persona Mark Spector who is the former mercenary marine that yep. you know has more of that kind of background yep. going on with him as well so I thought the trailer was very good uh, if you're new to watching Moon Knight and getting an idea who he is. Yeah. I know I know there are some uh, longtime fans that are still on the fence, if not very mad about it.
1: I mean, if you're still on the fence, I understand it. It's not, admittedly, not much to go off of.
0: Yeah. And obviously, if you've been a longtime reader, I mean, Moon Knight is a very complex character. Oh, sure. You know, so that's one thing that you really want to see that the show portrays him perfectly because like i say he has that kind of rabid fan base that if it's not perfect right they're going to be angry and rightfully so because moon knight does have that very unique you know rabid fan base that definitely has been so excited to see this character come to screen because we never thought he would show up yeah and now he's here and the trailer like i said it teased a little bit about what's going on they did some nods to different aliases as we saw yep uh, they did show Kanshu, the god of, or the Egyptian moon god. Yep. That he is an Avatar four. And they kind of just tease a little bit here and there. The only one that I was really kind of thrown off about, other than Oscar Isaac's accent. Yeah. That was throwing me off the entire yeah. time. Yeah. Is Ethan Hawke's character. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I know that he has been listed as a cult like leader. hmm I know there is some online speculation saying Dracula? Ooh. I don't think it's going to be him. Morbius. Uh, we have a phone call for you. I mean, it could be. I, I believe he's going to be the sun god. Ah, so if, if you know Moon Knight comics, you'll know who he is. I think that's who eventually he's going to be. Or they, I would not doubt that they merge him in with somebody else.
1: Let me let me pull throw out a bold, a wild prediction for you. What if he's Mephisto?
2: <laughs>
0: well, sorry, I had to get that in. No, no, that's perfectly fine. Like I say, it's not out of the realm of thought to see something crazy like that get thrown in here with Moon Knight. Because, like I say, he does not have a deep rogues gallery. Sure. He has a very unique one. Um, And just how they're going to portray everything going on is going to be interesting, especially because the character is more Frank Castle than Peter Parker, if you get my drift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to see them water the character down. I want to see 100% Moon Knight. I want to see the show get nuts. Like, with it the violence. Pro- it probably will. Yeah, like I say, with the violence, I think it's going to be somewhere. And I would not doubt this also happening where this is, like, a gateway to see maybe we'll move it over to Hulu. Maybe. That you might see something like that happen. I think now with the Netflix shows now coming to Disney Plus or the MCU, yeah, I think that possibility for more mature audience programming uh-huh. might be here. And I think this will kind of teeter the reaction. Yeah. That Disney might say, like, okay, well, if we got Frank Castle coming, depending on what we're going to do there.
1: Frank Castle and Disney Plus, that's got to be Hulu. <laughs> no, it's going to be Hulu, but just, <laughs> but especially
0: with the, uh, the storyline they're going to bring him back in the comics. Yeah. yeah. They're kind of really going to test the water here about, like I say, what's going to happen with Moon Knight, and can they do a proper Moon Knight story? Because, like yeah. I say, if the fan base will turn out because it's Marvel. Yeah. But just the reaction after, like, let's say episode three, Yeah, that's going to be the more interesting one, because by this point, you're going to get Moon Knight in all his violent glory.
1: Yeah, I I just don't want him to hold back either, because admittedly, I have not read a whole lot of Moon Knight content, but I have seen some panels and stuff online of, like, people's favorite moments, you know, where he's calling out Dracula, he's calling out all these, like, you owe me money and all this. Yeah. You know, the one I did see that I love was there was a panel from a comic where he's standing there, and Venom is, like got the two legs between the walls and he's like standing over him. And you just hear Moon Knight say, why do I have Eminem playing through my head all of a sudden? Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, that's fucking good. Yeah. I want moments like that in the show.
0: You probably will get them later on. Sure. I don't think you're going to get them right away. At the outset? No. Yeah, Yeah. no. But I think, I think that you'll get, Moon Knight at his one hundred percent best. By the time we're done at episode, if six episodes or eight, you're gonna you'll finally have the final package done there. But I will say this: the costume looked dope. Yeah, it did. Costume looked real good. I don't mind that it came off like a mummy. Yeah, sure. You know, instead of like a like a typical Batman esque costume. Yeah. No issues with that. I thought that that looked actually kind of cool. If they really want to try going with a supernatural vibe to it, but there was a lot that I I say for new fans, you can be excited about. Um, if you're an old school fan, I think you're going in with this little guarded trepidation. Sure. And rightfully so. Like, I, cause I know Lou from Pina Comics is a big fan of them. Right. Rich and Ron from 3FN are big Moon Knight fans. Always right. have been. I, th- and I know that 3FN gave a great breakdown about this as well too. I think that everybody's just kind of waiting and seeing of how much the Disney effect is going to have on this character. But I will say this though, after watching the Mandalorian, I mean, Book of Boba Fett this week. Uh huh. They didn't really hold back on the violence there. No, they did not. So if they keep that kind of element up for Moon Knight, I think we'll be okay. Uh Uh-huh. But we got to see a little bit more. Uh, Love the Kid Cudi remix, too. Yeah, that was good. Have to throw that in there. Uh, Moon Knight is going to be hitting Disney Plus on March 30th. Yes. So definitely excited to see about that. What else you got for One Shots?
1: i got to talk some video game news because it was announced just yesterday uh, from the folks this is coming from StarWars.com, so it don't get no more official than this. Uh, reading from the article on StarWars.com, uh, quote, Star Wars gamers get ready for new galaxy and genre-spanning adventures. Electronic Arts and Lucasfilm Games announced today that they will join forces once again for three new Star Wars titles. The next title in the Star Wars Jedi franchise a strategy game, and a first-person shooter, all currently in development from Respawn Entertainment. Shepherding the next installment of the Star Wars Jedi story is game director Stig Asmussen of Respawn. Peter Hirschman, game director who has a long and accomplished history with Star Wars, leads the development of Respawn's Star Wars uh, first-person shooter, a new studio helmed uh, by games, in, games industry veteran Greg Forst will create the new Star Wars strategy game developed through a production collaboration uh, between Respawn and Bit Reactor. Respawn will produce the new Star Wars strategy game while Bit Reactor's lead development of the uh while BitLeap Reactor leads development of the title. Uh, so this is super exciting just because, hey, first-person shooter that's not Battlefront and hopefully not multiplayer, I'm all for. Mm. Uh, listen, I my PlayStation wrapped came up last year, so it looked like the Spotify wrap, but for PlayStation. Uh, I played 532 hours of video games last year. One of them was online. Uh, if oh. that, is, if that is not enough to tell you, I don't like playing multiplayer because I do not have the time nor the patience for it. Uh, yeah. So if the first person shooter is going to be like a singular story, you know, where it's got like co-op, I'm all right with that. Uh, but in terms of a Jedi Fallen Order sequel, fucking give it to me. I played it last summer uh or not last summer two summers ago now i think yeah two summers ago now uh you know because it was on sale on the playstation store for like either half or 75 percent off it's a great fucking game if you can find it you know at your local game store used i definitely recommend you picking it up it's a great game you'll get a lot of fun out of it it's a hell of a great story you know from the folks over at respawn you know and probably one of the better star wars games that have come out in recent memory you know so definitely worth a check out super amped up and excited for that
0: yeah that sounds like a dope game man dope deal
1: yeah and then we also got a trailer uh for the upcoming star Wars lego star wars the skywalker saga yes uh video game this looks fucking incredible uh because as we all know lego star wars kind of spawned off or started the lego video game phenomena you know you had uh the original or not the original three you had the prequel trilogy was the first one then they did the original trilogy and And then they did the Complete Saga, which, not anymore. You know, they also did uh, the, I want to say it was like the first two or maybe first three seasons of Clone Wars in Lego Star Wars version. But they've gone on to do Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. Marvel, they've done Batman, they've done the Lego movie, Jurassic World and Jurassic Park. You know, pretty much they've done Harry Potter. Those games, with the Harry Potter Lego Harry Potter games are great. But they announced that they're doing Le- Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga because up to this point we've only had the first one, two, three, four, five, six, and then seven. For because they came out with the Lego Star Wars Force Awakens when the Force Awakens first came, but they never did the Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker. Why? I don't know. They put out Lego The Hobbit, which is the first two Hobbit movies, it cliffhangers like in the movie, and then they never did anything with the third one. Mm. Reasons. Yeah, reasons. Reasons. But they announced this Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, and everyone figured, oh, it's probably just going to be them updating the graphics, maybe adding some different things, and then doing Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. No, 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 no. No, mm-hmm. like. no, 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 my friends. If you look up the trailer on YouTube, which is about six minutes and 12 seconds, it's a phenomenal trailer. It really goes in depth with how the game's going to look. Uh, it is... Obviously, all nine movies, so the prequel trilogy, original trilogy, sequel trilogy, and as it regards to the movies they've already done, completely redone. Nothing, you know, you might see some elements that, okay, it reminds me of from the first game, completely redone top to bottom. It looks phenomenal. You know, admittedly, the first one was kind of simple where it's like, oh, attack a guy three times with your lightsaber and then they die. Blast, just press the, the, if you're Han Solo or Princess Leia with a blaster or anyone with a blaster, just fire, just point yourself in the general direction and it'll auto lock onto that. Like, no, it's, actually got looked like maybe a little bit of difficulty to it it's still a kids game you know so obviously won't be too difficult but there's a health bar so like you can't just oh great i know i gotta press three times and that'll take care of them there's attacks and fluidity with jedi there's force powers you can mind influence folks they show obi-wan from the original trilogy mind influencing you know tuscan raiders mm-hmm. you know it looks like it's a hell of a lot of fun it's going to be unlike the original games where it's kind of linear and you can only play the missions and you're kind of limited to that it's going to be in the vein of the how the lego games have become where it's open world you can kind of go wherever like they showed uh i believe it was rose from uh the last jedi on mustafar Mm. so obviously free plays there but they said in the trailer you will progressively unlock you start at whatever trilogy you want so you can start with the prequels you can start with the original or you can start with the sequels and you progressively unlock worlds and you will be able to freely travel to those worlds as you unlock them so this game looks absolutely insane i cannot wait for this damn thing to come
0: out this game looked dope from what you showed me on the trailers, I'm only sad that One World Was Not Open was the holiday special. <laughs> I need to play that at some point.
1: Yeah, uh, the game does come out on uh, April 5th of this year. Uh, if you get the Deluxe Edition, the Deluxe Edition includes the character collection bundle, which no word about that yet, but I am noticing on the... the I paused it on the video on YouTube. I am noticing that uh, there is a certain poster in Lego form uh, for the Mandalorian.
0: That's got to be a DLC. Yeah,
1: so it says uh, the character, Star Wars, Lego Star Wars, Skywalker, Saga character collection. It does say seven character packs. Uh, And of the three photos you notice, uh, one is for uh, Mandalorian. Uh, So uh, Baby Yoda will be in the game at some point uh, along with uh, the Mandalorian. There's another one there. I can't quite tell what it is. Hard to say. Uh, But then the third one does look like to be the clones from the Bad Batch uh, animated series, which, fucking give it to me. Hell yeah. Uh, This game is going to be super awesome. I cannot wait.
0: I know, man. I'm actually excited about this one. I'm yeah. going to give it a shot because, like I said, Legos are not my my usual sure. forte, but, sure. but I'm definitely excited for that. But I want oh, the man. holiday special, damn it.
1: Yeah, uh, and then i got a last bit of games. Uh, i got to mention the PlayStation Plus Games of the Month got announced, and normally I don't talk about these because mostly well, they're kind of shit, but it's actually kind of fucking good this month. Yeah. Uh, it was announced today on the PlayStation blog that the free games, of course, if you're a PlayStation Plus member, you can download these games, and as long as you are a PlayStation Plus member, you will continuously be able to play them. As soon as your PlayStation Plus subscription membership runs out, you lose them. But so long as your membership keeps going, you will be able to continuously play, download, play. You can delete it, re-download it. Doesn't matter. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you can continue to play it. Uh, the games that were announced were uh, you for PlayStation Four. You can download EA Sports UFC Four, uh, Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep. Now this is I got really confused. I'm like, holy shit, they're giving us the new game for free it's not the new game uh it is the dlc from borderlands 2 that spawned off uh, tiny tina's wonderlands that is coming out in march so again if you are wanting to play tiny tina's wonderlands and you have playstation plus and a ps4 probably even ps5 because it's backwards compatible download that it's a serious amount of fun and hilarious it's borderlands humor but dungeons and dragons you know, without the rolling for initiative and all the other mechanics that come with Dungeons Dragons, they poke fun at it and have some fun with it, but it, it's serious amount of fun, and you will absolutely love it. Uh, and then the one game that got announced for PlayStation 5 is Planet Coaster Console Edition. Uh, so that's a pretty solid lineup, I'd say, between EA Sports, UFC 4, and then Tiny Tina's uh, Assault on Dragon Keep. Great
0: lineup this month. It definitely sounds it. I mean, they definitely look like they stacked the deck, and that's something you need to do. Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, video games are not easy to keep the attention of the viewers. This is true. To say the least.
1: Uh, and then lastly, we got a trailer for the upcom- one of the upcoming Pinocchio films because, hey, there's two of them coming this year. One from Disney, but the other one is going to be on Netflix, and it's coming in December from the legendary director Guillermo del Toro. Ew. No. Uh-huh. So this trailer, kind of simple. It's only about... 55 seconds, maybe about a minute. Uh, and in it, you see a certain cricket, uh, one Jiminy Cricket, uh, voiced in this trailer by one Ewan McGregor, uh, you know, talking about how there's a certain story everyone knows and you might have heard of it. He knows it because I lived it. You know, I was in the heart of the wooden boy who became real, you know, and of course, Pinocchio. Uh, it is a star-studded cast, to say the least. Uh, you have in the film, Kate Blanchett is in it, along with Finn Wolfhard. David Bradley, who you might know as uh, Walder Frey from Game of Thrones. Okay. He's also uh, Filch from the Harry Potter films. Ewan McGregor, as I mentioned, is playing Sebastian uh, Cricket. David Bradley, I should know, is playing Geppetto. Okay. Uh, You've also got Ron Perlman uh, in the film, along with Tilda Swinton, Christoph Waltz. So this is a phenomenal cast. Uh, No release date according to the trailer. It just says December of 2022. So I would guess maybe around Christmas time. You know, who knows? Uh, It looks good, though.
0: It looks interesting. It, I I will say that. Like, I yeah. the, it was a little creepy, but that's Del Toro. That's
1: Guillermo Del Toro. Like, it's going to be good, but it's also going to be real weird.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be weird as all hell. So, like I said, I was not super, like, whoa about this. But I was not exactly, yeah. you know, like, you have to know what the temp of the room you're going with.
1: Yeah. I so. mean, I'm intrigued, but I'm like, yo, I'm here
0: for this. But I'm like, yeah, it looks kind of good. Yeah, it definitely looks kind of good about that. So, definitely want to check that out. All right. So, let's talk a little more TV. Okay. Tonight, as we're recording, Resident Alien hey. returns to sci-fi. Okay. So the uh, show by Alan Tudyk is coming back for season number two. Uh, it's a very quirky show. If you're into something a little different, I definitely recommend it. Season one is Alan Tudyk being Alan Tudyk. But it's a very, very solid show based off the old school independent comics. So you definitely want to go check that out. TV-wise, too, uh strong show has been coming out. Peacemaker, I know we've both been watching. We, oh, yeah. we have not done a deep dive about that for the show. Peacemaker is fucking amazing. Peacemaker is out of control. John Cena has taken this c character and made something even relevant if, with it. Even if you're
1: not a superhero or comic book movie fan, go find the intro on it. Because I'm pretty sure HBO Max posted it on YouTube. Watch the fucking intro. It is the greatest TV intro on TV right now.
0: Yeah, and the fact that they made Vigilante into the sleeper character oh that... I we now need a spin-off show for. Yeah. You're, Freddy, not, you're not wrong. Freddie Stroma is fucking killing that role. I never thought he'd be this good in this role. Yeah. Because Vigilante is, is straight up 80s Punisher Wannabe. Yep. But damn, Stroma is making this character into something worth uh-huh. watching. Uh so like I say, the show has been a home run thus far. If you haven't checked it out, new episodes drop every Thursday on HBO Max. Yes. So definitely get on board with that if you have not already. Like I said, if you love the Suicide Squad movie that James Gunn did. This is just the sequel that you want to uh-huh. get that you may not ever get. Like yeah. everything's perfect about this. Naomi two on CW. I definitely want to shout that out. Show has been a lot better than I thought it was going to be. That's like I'm, good. I'm happily surprised with it. Like I thought it would be. I thought it would be good, but it's very very good. And if you're not familiar with the character, definitely go down to your comic shops and go pick up some books and get familiar too. But Naomi has actually been a very very solid watch. So definitely want to plug that as a recommendation this week. And also, for recommendations, we got to talk about The Legend of Vox Machina. Okay. This is coming out on January 28th on Prime Video. It's coming from Critical Role. Now, are you familiar with who Critical Role is?
1: I don't watch their content, but I have heard of them.
0: Yes. So they're a media company that was created by a group of voice actors who have been doing this RPG uh, fantastic work since 2012. So this project came from Kickstarter. It has broken all types of records at Kickstarter. They raised over $11 million. Put wow. that in perspective. That's impressive. Yeah, it's like it's, I believe it has the record for film and TV, like most ever raised. So this got picked up by Amazon Studios. They've signed off for two seasons, so 24 episodes in total. Okay. Uh, there was the panel at New York Comic Con that I went to with Rich from 3FN and Dre Driven, and the panel is dope. And I'm showing Pat the little promotional art Ooh, for that as well. Okay. So this is going to be something up everybody's alley if you're into something that's a little left to center from your typical RPG shows. The animation is very cool. I was fortunate that I was allowed an early screening of this, so I have seen it. I'm not talking any spoilers, but what I'm going to say is this: if this is an absolute must-watch in my opinion, I think that this is easy for anybody that if you're not like super into RPGs you can get into. Okay. It's definitely not safe for work. The humor is all over the place. Yeah. They don't pull any punches with that. They're, but it's it works. And this group is so quirky that you can't help but root for them Okay. in what they're involved in. Okay. So I have to say, if you really want to give this a shot, I would give it a highest possible recommendation. It's got great animation. Like I say, you can't beat that anyway, anywhere, anyhow. Okay. And for what they want to capture, what they do on Critical Role, I thought they did a fantastic job with it. And like I say, it's something that this cast will win you over, and you'll just you'll find yourself just sucked into their universe and their crazy adventures. Can't recommend this highly enough, so this is coming out on January 28th on Prime Video. After you check it out, I definitely want to talk some spoilers with everybody, but you will hear no such spoilers from me until then. So, like I say, Legends of Vakmoknia, you need to go check out on Prime Video on the 28th. All right. So, that being said... Obviously, we weren't here last week. There's a lot of comic stuff i got to do some recommendations for at the shop this week. Last week, Shadow Man number five came out, and obviously the year of Valiant has kicked off in such a strong way, to put it mildly, Pad. Okay. This is no joke of what is going on in the pages of Shadow Man. This kicks off the Dead Side War which is going to be the big event of Valiant to start the year with. Mm. Cullen Bunn and Pedro Andreo is doing the creative side of things. They came back very strong. If you love the first run of Shadow Man with Colin Bunn and John Davis Hunt, you're going to definitely enjoy this run as well. A uh, very strong issue to go kick into. From Boom Studios last week, too, was Power Rangers 15, The Altarian War, Ryan Parrott. Mm. I almost have, I, I got to do like your Nick Spencer. Nuff said. Everything they're doing in the Power Rangers saga right now has been so good. And if you're not familiar with what they're doing, I highly recommend take the deep dive at your comic shop and get caught up on what they're doing there. Because Parrot's doing this amazing epic that's redefining the Power Rangers for me. And like I say, I'm more of a novice to the Power Rangers universe. Sure. But now I'm so fully entrenched. Like, I'm finding myself when I'm reading the books... I'm yelling out loud, like, let's go. And I'm getting excited like that as a fan, which is weird. And I know Tom Craven is smiling somewhere right now hearing that, but it's true because the work that they're doing between both books, Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers by Boom Studios, it's fantastic. And I can't stress highly enough. You need to go check it out. Now, that was last week. This week, though, you need to pick up while you're at the shop's Power Rangers Universe, number two. Okay. So that is uh, by Boom Studios as well. They're taking a deep dive into the character known as the Phantom Ranger. Okay. So you're finding out a little more about the background, about how he came to be. It's a very cool story. The artwork definitely is popping off the page. I'm showing Ooh, Pat. Very nice. The one thing I do is I show pad this live, so he does not see this ahead of time. So nope. you can definitely get the honest reaction out of him. Also at the shops this week, Once in Future, number 24, Listen, this is one of the best books out there. Boom Studios, Killing It Again. Karen Gillan and Dan Mora are just freaking crushing this book. So much quality stuff coming out from them. It's not even funny. House of Slaughter, number four. James Tynan's spinoff book from the Something That's Killing the Children. Might be the best book of the week. By far, mm. by far and away. It's emotional. It's all hell. They did such an amazing job with this book. Like I said, with what Tynan's doing with Tate Bromel and Christian, they have done some fantastic work in this issue. So I got to give that a very high plug. And last but not least, from what you will see on Parlay Points, Harbinger number four. Dare I say, that might be my favorite book that's out on the shelves right now. Overall, like the story that they are weaving in the Harbinger, and Peter Stankic definitely came back in a strong way. Definitely setting the bar high if you're an old-school value reader like myself. Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, and Robbie Rodriguez are just fucking crushing that book right now. It's one of the best ones you can pick up at the shelves this week. All of those books I just mentioned you can read on parlay points. Now, there are a couple I'm definitely going to plug quickly that I haven't got a chance to review yet, but I'm definitely interested in picking up. First and foremost, if you talk to any independent podcast that covers comics, this book is circled on their calendar. Okay. It is Saga. Okay. Saga is returning. So oh, okay. Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples book is definitely, like, is so phenomenally good. It is now finally returned to the shelves. You need to go pick this up. If you haven't been reading Saga, just start at the beginning and catch up. But for anybody that's been reading this book, this date has been circled on the calendar for so freaking long that you can't escape it. Like, it is that well done. Lastly, Comixology, Scott Snyder. He has got clear number four, Night of the Ghoul number four. Nuff said, if you know me well enough, and I do tweet about this quite often, everything they're doing at Comixology Unlimited, you need to go sign up for right now because those books are absolutely killing it. Marvel's got a strong week, too. Devil's Reign is coming out, the Chips Zdarsky event, and obviously with Daredevil news coming out this week, too, about a new series dropping this later this year. You know all eyes are going to be on that book. And DC Comics has a Peacemaker book with Garth Ennis. Not said. I'm just leaving it there. There is a lot that, like I said, we discovered and had to talk about too. Even Cowboy Bebop by Titan Comics too as well. There is a lot that hit the shops this week. So I'm just going to say this. Go make sure you're supporting your independent podcast to cover comics because I'm sure they're going to have breakdowns of everything going on this week. Check out Parlay Points where I have my blog reviews up right now talking about some of those books and definitely hit your local comic shops this week and support and go buy some books. There is so much great stuff out by Boom, Valiant, Marvel, DC image this week. The list goes on and on and on. Go support your comic shops, people. So that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is a shout out of, of the robots. They're fantastic people. They're super into comics. In fact, when you hear the TikTok videos talking about parley points, it's them. Pad, where do I go find about them? odphpodcast.com. Right on. Swing it over your music section. Check out everything going on with them. Brian Wolf, Second Suitor, Tom Jello, Yard Party, Floodlands. The list goes on and on. Fantastic people you need to go support. Also, while you're at the website, go check out Parley Points. Like I said, new blogs dropping each week. Like, uh, you have so much content right now on there, I don't even know where to tell you to start. I'm just going to tell you to start at the top and work your way down. That's how we do here at the ODPH. Also, while you're at the website, check out The Classifieds, which has organizational links, support, and Black Lives Matter. All the friends of the show. And all their amazing pod groups that we are in via the pod chaser pages. So, shout out to the Inner Circle. Shout out to the Apocalypse. And shout out to 8122 Productions and 607 Podcast. Also, check out the T Public Store. Final sale of January. Get that ODPH swag. Yeah, You know you want to get that Pads Dealing shirt. Yeah, you do. It's out there right now. It's selling. You know you want to be jumping on the next big thing. I mean, dare I say, Pads becoming a fashion icon. Ah, uh, yes. I yeah, know. Forget Yeezus. It's going to be the year of the... Well, we'll come up with something. Yeah. So all that and so much more. Like, I can't stress enough. It's odphpodcast.com. That's all we got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan Jay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken. I'm thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.